Hello, and welcome to the weekly message podcast from Crozet United Methodist Church. We invite you to join us in person any Sunday for our contemporary service at 9 a.m. or for our more traditional service at 11 a.m. We also stream full services live on our Facebook page. Please visit us online at www.crozetunitedmethodist.org for further information. We hope you enjoy this week's message from Crozet UMC. Easter is a day that I had to grow into loving. When I was a child, my mother used to dress us up in classical Easter garb. And so oftentimes there was like a pinafore dress and it had like an overlay, almost like a, an apron, like we were going baking. And then, of course, there were white gloves and white ruffle socks and newly purchased or polished black shoes. And then there was the Easter bonnet. And some people can carry that off. You'll notice that I have neglected to wear an Easter bonnet ever since. Um, it's, it was one of those times where you knew that you were going to go and you were going to be uncomfortable for a good hour at church. And then you were going to come home and you were going to do the things that you wanted to do. You were going to hunt eggs. You were going to eat your weight in candy and chocolate. And if you had room a little later, you might open some of the eggs that were hard-boiled that you had dyed. And so these were the kinds of things that we loved. We loved waking up to an Easter basket and the Easter bunny. We loved those kinds of things. But then the churchy side of it took some time. And I can remember the time when it clicked for me what today is about. I was in high school, a little bit of a late bloomer, and by the time it occurred to me why I love Easter, it was because I had lost a grandparent. And with the passing of a grandparent came that moment when I understood what resurrection was about. It was about coming back from that state of death. It was about being reunited. And so now when I hear that sunrise Easter scripture about Mary and the other women coming to the tomb to pay homage to Jesus one last time by anointing his body and preparing him for permanent burial, it reminds me of all those times I have gone to the graveside. It reminds me of all of those times with a heavy heart and an overwhelmed mind and a depressed spirit that I have yearned for just one more day. And now all of my grandparents have gone on to rest in God and one day will claim the glory of their own resurrection. And every Easter for me is a reminder that I will see them again. And those that you have lost, you will see them again. We can have this hope as the first letter of Peter says, because God has given us this from great mercy. It is merciful to tell those who mourn that they will be comforted, not just with words of sympathy, but with the restoration of their loved one. And we often wonder, how is that possible? How can God give them back to us? Will it be the same 
I'm sure all of my grandparents would not like to look the way that they looked when they died, when they're returned to me. I have no doubt that my mother's father wants to be that young Marine once more. And I have no doubt that my other grandparents from my father's side are ready to be that bright-eyed and bushy-tailed young couple before the children. <laughs> have you ever thought what you want your resurrected self to be? Have you ever pondered what incarnation of your life would you like it to be? Because the longer that we live, the more we realize that we want a resurrection that isn't necessarily all this body. The more that you start to wake up and realize that things don't quite align the same way anymore, when you wake up and there's a little stiffness to the neck, a little soreness in the back, when you realize that you don't hop out of bed anymore, but you have to get up and kind of get moving. You start to think to yourself, maybe I don't want the exact same body. I want people to recognize me, those who knew me when I was 20. But do I want this body? And God says to us, probably not exactly that body. But God brought God's self back to us in the same body. All four gospel accounts are very clear on this. The body that went into the tomb is the body that came out. Look at my hands and my feet. See my side where I was speared. And Jesus, wanting them to know that he was actually there in body, ate with them multiple times, letting his apostles see that, yes, indeed, he was back. He wasn't a phantom. He wasn't a ghost. He was back in bodily form. And why is that? Because as Mary Magdalene discovered herself, without thinking, reaching for him, we want to embrace those that we have lost. You want to hold them again. You want to hug them, kiss them, feel their presence. You want to be able to engage with them in a way that is more intimate than words will ever be. And so God says, I will make that happen for you. Long after we are gone from this world and our bodies have returned to dust, God says, I will hold you in trust. I have been holding your hope in trust since that first Easter. The first Easter when Christ rose from the dead, the world caught a glimpse of what God could do. It wasn't the first resurrection. There were other people who were brought back to life. Jesus even brought Lazarus back to life. Resurrection was not brand new. But to come back and to be as Christ was, was a reminder to us that death is not the end. And if it was, then this world would live in a post-Good Friday world where they sealed him in the tomb after dying on the cross, and we wouldn't be here. It is the resurrection that happened on the first day of the week, which was Sunday in the Judaic calendar, that changed how worship was. The early apostles and the early disciples of Jesus, even after his ascension, had been worshiping on Saturday, because that was the Sabbath. 
You worshiped from sundown on Friday to sundown on Saturday. You gave yourself a good time to rest, to focus on your relationship with God, and then you got back to work. But when Jesus rose on Sunday, it pivoted everything for us. Sunday became the Lord's day. Sunday became the day that we gather to worship. Our Judaic siblings from the Abraham faith still worship on their Sabbath, sundown Friday to sundown Saturday. Our Islamic siblings in the Abrahamic faith have their holy day on Friday. But we begin our week with worship in Christianity. We do that because every Sunday is a little Easter. Every Sunday is a reminder that Christ conquered for us. Every single time we gather to worship, Christ says, I will be with you. Two or more are gathered in my name and I am present with you. It doesn't matter if you're in a glorious sanctuary. It doesn't matter if you are out in the fields. If you gather with the attention of being in my name and seek to worship, I come to you and I am present with you. And so every time we worship, it's like Christ is returning to us, coming back. And we want that so desperately because we have people that we want back. And we should, because relationship is what it's all about. When I was preparing for children's time and I was thinking about how do you convey what a rubber duck has to do with baptism, sometimes I set myself up for failure. And I was going over ducks and researching ducks in the direction I thought I was going to go. God was like, absolutely not. Stop. It's terrible. And then all of a sudden, I saw that word imprinting. Imprinting. I know what imprinting is. But this time when I read imprinting and I looked it up again, I found a wonderful duck keeper. This person, all they did was keep ducks for decades. And what they said was imprinting is about a relationship. It's not about recognition. It's about a relationship. Because the ducks, when they emerge from their eggs, don't know who their mother is. But they're looking. And they're looking for the one that draws closest to them. Whichever one comes into their field of vision and stays right focused on them, that must be my parent. And so they begin to look at that being, and we have all kinds of research now that tells us that could be a duck or a dog or a person. If you preempt the parent and you get in front of the ducklings, you can be the parent of ducks. <laughs> but our lives are God saying, I am right here. I am here. Imprint on me. Let us have a relationship. Let your identity be in that relationship. That I am your God and you are my people. And Easter is God driving that home. When you thought I was gone, says Christ, I have returned. When you thought that death had indeed claimed one more of your beloved, I have conquered death. And even now, 
all of those that we have ever known and loved and lost are being held in God's heart to be restored to us because we have glimpsed that truth. Now, we're not sure that the first letter of Peter was actually written by Peter. Probably wasn't. It's actually a quite eloquent Greek composition for somebody who probably didn't speak Greek very well, if at all. So over tradition, it was, well, maybe his assistant Silas wrote it. Maybe Peter dictated it. Maybe it was Silas. Well, maybe it wasn't Silas. Maybe it was a a, a disciple of Silas because the lessons of Jesus Christ are carried from generation to generation. So maybe it's there. But the obsession is with the lineage. How close can we get to Christ by the writer? My siblings in Christ, I tell you, it is not how close the writer is. It is how close the listener wants to be. Do you want to be closer to Christ? Do you want these words to be true? That by his great mercy, he has given you a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And that is your inheritance. It is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. Kept in heaven for you. It is being safeguarded. If you've ever had to ask somebody to keep something safe for you, then you know how important it is to trust the one who is holding that safe for you right? I can remember one time I had a friend who was having a medical emergency, and he had handed me a bunch of tokens that I later realized weren't actually tokens, they were casino chips. (laughs) Methodists don't traditionally gamble, so I was a little uneducated in this. And I started to look at it, and I know that I am not a math major, but I'm looking at it, and I'm going, this is a lot of money in these plastic things. And as the person was laying there, and I said, are you sure you want to give this to me? And they said, yes, it's only $50 if you added on two zeros. And I said, but it's not $50. And they said, no, it's $50. And I try, you you know, what are you going to do with $50? I trust you. And I'm going, it's not I don't know that I should be in charge of this. It's a lot of money. It's a lot of responsibility. I just don't know if I feel comfortable with this. And I'll never forget, he looked at me and he goes, I trust you. Well, first of all, you should always trust a non-gambling Methodist. I don't even know how to change those into cash. (laughs) And so I went, okay. And then you do the thing that you do when you have something precious. You like hold it right here right? Right here. You hold it close to your heart. And so the whole time he was being assisted and helped by medical professionals, I'm holding his $5,000 right here as if my rib cage would somehow through osmosis allow it to become part of me and I could hold on to what was precious to him. Why aren't we like that with Jesus Christ? This is a day where Christ came back that we might hold him closer. Because we know that his promise is true. There are all kinds of promissory notes. You ever had, as you were a kid, somebody write you a promissory note? My sister once wrote me one. I owe you. What is it that you owe me? 
I owe you some money. How do you owe me some money? I didn't give you any money. Well, I'm going to owe you some money because I broke something. Are you going to tell me what it is that you broke? No, you'll figure it out. I owe you. I owe you. But now, because of Easter, I realize that my sister doesn't owe me anything. We owe God everything. It's because of Easter that I know that no matter what happens with my relationship with my sister, who I am very much reconciled to, no matter what happens with my relationship to my other family members, no matter what happens with relationship with my friends, my church members, that God holds us in trust. And when my son was born, we tried very hard to ensure that we would give him something kind of like what First Peter is talking about. We wanted him to have something, an earthly inheritance. We wanted him to have something that we didn't have to die to give to him, but we wanted him to have something that we never had, which was a college fund. And so we opened up when he was six days old, a 529 account. And every month we put $100 into that account. And we never tell him how much is in there. Because one day, when he gets into college, and we hope he goes to college, we'll say, here is this account. Because we have had faith in you. We have believed that you will do the work. We believe that you are worthy and capable and that one day you will go to college because we believe that the pursuit of wisdom and knowledge is a noble and divine thing. And so we hope and pray and we have scrimped and saved and we have done this, that you would have this inheritance. And the thing about that is, I don't know that he'll ever go to college. Every now and then he gets grandiose ideas of other things. Every now and then he thinks, you know, maybe I won't go to college, maybe I'll go to a trade school. Every now and then, he starts to change the path that we had hoped that he would be on. Every time you pivot and change your path, God never changes your inheritance. Amen. Not once. Amen. Never. No matter what happens to you or what you do, your inheritance is secure. And at a time where every now and then we open up the news, whether it's online or on the TV or in paper form, You'll hear of a bank that folds. You'll hear of a bank that cannot meet its requirements in order to fulfill the promises that it has made. And that terrifies us because we have money in banking institutions. But every time that happens now, I think to myself, good thing God never fails. God never defaults. And Easter was that proof. The whole world would have known death and no hope if that tomb had not been empty. But you have this hope, and it has been given to you. And almost like an allowance, it is doled out to you each and every Easter. It is given to you. Remember, says God, remember that I am holding your inheritance. And one day you will claim it. One day you will rest from this life. You will rest from your physical bodies. You will rest from the mental exertion. You will rest from all the things that make you weary, body, mind, and spirit. 
And when you do, and you finally awaken from that nap known as death, you will be so rejuvenated that the children of this world won't be able to keep up with you. You will run and never be weary. You will be at a place where your body will never get sick. It will never get achy. It will never again fail you. Because when my grandparents were aging, I watched their bodies fail. I watched some of them have issues with their minds. I watched them as their hearts that had been so gracious to me stopped being able to keep them alive. But God doesn't fail. And so it makes it possible for me and those like me to come to Easter and be joyful because we know that I have not seen the last of my grandparents. You have not seen the last of your loved ones. And those that come after us will one day meet us too. And we will gather there in a kingdom that is eternal Easter. We will gather at a place where there will no longer be the tearing of relationships. There will no longer be a question of whether you are known or loved or whether you can be forgiven. All of that will be resolved because that estate has already been settled for you. And your inheritance is held by the one that will never default or fail. What you have is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. And it is being kept in heaven for you. Are you keeping heaven for yourself? Are you ensuring that every Easter gives you that encouragement to not just let it be Easter, but to live every day as a hopeful, to-be-resurrected people? May it be so. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen.